What will it take for the New Orleans Saints to do something they haven't been able to do in each of the last two seasons, beating Philadelphia in Philadelphia? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always. Make a Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget we're free and available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media CrescentCitySports.com, USA Today, Saints Wire, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, and then some on Locked on Saints. Our first episode here on this Friday, breaking down what the New Orleans Saints have to do in order to get something done they haven't been able to get done for the past two years, beating the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. Now, a specific thorn in their side in both of those competitions has been Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts not officially named, uh, you know, back or returning for this game just yet, but we did see that he returned to practice on Thursday. You would expect that he would practice again on Friday, and just by all stretches of the imagination, you have to imagine that James, J- that Jalen Hurts is going to play against the New Orleans Saints because the New Orleans Saints are the miracle cure. We've seen this over and over again. So, in order to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, they're going to have to do it very likely with Jalen Hurts under center, and there's only one way to get that done. And it's by getting pressure on him. The tricky part of all of that is you have to get pressure on him in the pocket. Jalen Hurts, one of the best in the NFL right now, the front runner for MVP, one of the best in the NFL when it comes to creating with the ball in his hands, improving, working out of structure, however it is that you like to, to, to highlight it or talk about it. He's phenomenal as a runner from the quarterback position, one of the best, if not the best in the NFL right now. And part of what makes him so challenging and what has been such a big challenge for the New Orleans Saints in past seasons is their inability to contain him. They've done some things isolating Cam Jordan on the outside, making him choose whether or not he is effectively putting him in a two-on-one situation, creating a a conflict for him or creating a conflict for Marcus Davenport on the edge, whoever's on the edge effectively. They're looking to individually single out that player and make them make the decision, right? Are you taking the uh at the mesh point at the zone read are you taking the quarterback or are you taking the running back and that quarterback just makes a read off of that one player and then either gives or takes and so far that has been something that has caused a lot of issues for the new orleans saints and every team around the nfl jalen hurts has been absolutely phenomenal so far this season so if he is back and if he does have another good game against the saints they're not in bad company everyone struggles to contain jalen hurts so what's the secret The secret is going to be having more than one player available for those zone reads so that instead of it being an either or for one player, it's one player's responsibility is this, the other player's responsibility is this 100% of the time. So that's where second level players like Demario Davis, Pete Werner, Caden Ellis, that they all come into play because that ends up being able to allow you to say, okay, under every circumstance, you as the edge defender, your role is to take the quarterback. If you take the quarterback, then the linebackers are the ones that end up having to pick up the the pace or or you know clean things up on the back end when it comes to the running back. 
if you're able to get that done, that puts you in a situation to where then you're forcing the Philadelphia Eagles to then say, okay, that part of the game isn't working. And then they go to Jalen Hurts as a passer. If you can get them to do that, then you can start to pin your ears back and get after them. So then the tricky part for the Saints is when you get to the quarterback, you have to be able to bring him down. This isn't a situation to where you're going to be able to live with the missed sacks and things like that, like we've seen against Desmond Ritter. We saw it bite the Saints in the us really easily against Joe Burrow. So those types of situations are ones that you're not going to be able to allow against Jalen Hurts. But if you can get them to kind of focus the Eagles to focus on him as a pocket passer, it puts you in a situation to where then you're able to take advantage of getting pressure on him. The reason why I say that is because his completion percentage drops from 73.9 as a passer when kept clean to 45.5 when he's pressured. He's thrown an interception there. He's actually thrown four of his five interceptions without any pressure. And three of those interceptions are deep downfield. So if you can get him to rush into a decision, that might be something you can begin to take advantage of. Passer rating drops from 114.3 all the way down to 72.6 when under pressure as well. And that doesn't change if Gardner Minshew is the guy that ends up being the quarterback for Philadelphia. Then you just have somebody that is more prone to mistakes, somebody that you can get a little bit more pressure on because while he's no slouch and he can improv and work out a structure, he's not Jalen Hurts. He's going to want to be a pocket passer. So same thing. You can pin your ears back and come after that quarterback. You know, we see the New Orleans Saints right now, bottom of the NFL when it comes to pass rush win rate at just around 29%, according to ESPN. But they've got 40 sacks on the season. Yeah, they've already crossed the 40 sack threshold again. Uh, Ryan Nielsen, pat on the back for him. And so they're getting to the quarterbacks. And what that means is that the pressure percentages are down, but when they do get pressure, they get to the quarterbacks. And oftentimes the way that that works out is when you play as many mobile quarterbacks as the Saints have played all throughout this season, Lamar Jackson, Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, Joe Burrow to an extent, so on and so forth, you have these other guys or you have these uh, games where you're playing the mush rush and you're not getting pressure on a ton of downs. You're not racking up a big time pressure percentage. But then when you play against the pocket passers like Derek Carr and uh, you know, uh, Matt Stafford and, and, and all these guys. And I, I guess you could look at, oh, I guess Deshaun Watson was probably a better uh, comparison to the mobile quarterback than Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow being the better of the pocket passers, my bad. Um, but when you play those guys, then you have the opportunity to just pin your ears back and go after them. So that's where you see the sack numbers come from for the Saints. So those are the spaces where you want to see the Saints really have an impact against Jalen Hurts. It's keeping contain on him, which is going to mean not allowing any one player to be left in a two-in-one situation or having to be a conflict guy, having that support from the second level, all of that. But then on the other side, when if you can force them to stay in the pocket, getting the pressure on the quarterback, whoever the passer is, whether it's Hurts or it's Minshew, and more than just getting the pressure, getting them down, right? Getting the sack and then reminding them over and over again that you're there. Uh, you've got a guy like Cam Jordan, who is just a couple of sacks away from the official franchise sack record. I don't know that he's going to get those this week against Jalen Hurts, but he's got just as much motivation as anybody to go in there and rustle up as many of these sacks as he can get and try to be that, that pressure player. But they're going to have to stop the run game as best they can first, and then hopefully build a deficit over on the offensive side. So that's the next kind of piece to all this. If you really want to take advantage of the pass rush or, or get your pass rush to take advantage of that opposing offense, you've got to have a lead on your offensive side, forcing the opposing team to throw the ball. Can the Saints get that done? 
We'll find out. There is a way, though, and we'll be breaking that down a little bit later. But speaking of pass rush, there is another element that works in the New Orleans Saints' favor. It's the absence of Lane Johnson. Just how unsuccessful the Philadelphia Eagles have been without Lane Johnson in their lineup is worth noting. So we're going to get to that here as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. And today's episode is brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Association. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means that if you're driving high, you could get a DUI. And if you think that law enforcement officers can't tell when you're high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, your family can tell, everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers can't tell when you're Driving high. Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is if you feel different, you drive different. So driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI paid for by the National Highway Safety or Traffic Safety Association. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks, as always, for making us a part of your day and, of course, your first listen of the day. Don't forget to go and check out Poop Locked on Sports today as well for your second listen. Figure out everything going on around the, uh, around the NFL, around the, the world of sports. I was also on today's episode in the third, uh, in kind of the third uh, portion of the show uh, with my take around how the New Orleans Saints are not going to cede the spotlight to anybody, to anybody. They are going to be a relevant team one way or another with a wild offseason on the way. So make sure you go and check that out. Continuing on with today's episode, though, the Lane Johnson effect. The Philadelphia Eagles not expected to have star right tackle Lane Johnson, somebody that Nick Sirianni, the Philadelphia Eagles head coach, called the best right tackle in football. Of course, Ryan Ramchek is right in there in that conversation as well, or at least has been right there in that conversation as well. But the, the Lane Johnson effect is a big one for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, if you didn't catch our crossover Thursday episode with myself and Locked On Eagles host Gino Camilleri, one of the things that Gino brought to the table was just how bad the Philadelphia Eagles have been when Lane Johnson doesn't play. And I don't just mean in terms of pressure percentage surrendered, sacks surrendered, anything like that, win-loss record. They are 3-10 over the last 13 games since 2020 in which they did not have Lane Johnson in the lineup. And that is a big deal. We watch the New Orleans Saints go through injuries all the time on their offensive line, but still find a way to win and, you know, look and and, and find ways to lose in some situations. Right. But oftentimes we've seen them find ways to win over the course of the past five or six years or so when those offensive line injuries really started to set in. The Philadelphia Eagles, they found ways to get it done as well. But Lane Johnson is a huge piece of what that offensive line is, along with, of course, Jason Kelsey, their star center. Um, So. What does that mean if Lane Johnson can't go? And by the way, that was just since 2020, they're three and 10, but they're also 12 and 21 over the 33 career games that he has missed so far. So it's usually not good for the Philadelphia Eagles when they don't have Lane Johnson. And one of the reasons why this is important in this matchup is the very guy that we've been talking about today in terms of somebody that can come in and help to, you know, um, uh, uh, I, I guess, set the tone as a pass rusher in this one, Cam Jordan. That's his immediate matchup right there, Lane Johnson. So if you've got a, a, a Jake Driscoll, for instance, that ends up coming in instead, that's a guy that Cam Jordan should be able to 
uh, rack up the pressures against win and win and win against on the offense on the defensive line. The the difference though is going to be are they going to be kind of focusing early on in the mush rush and that and by mush rush by the way all that I mean is that like you kind of play back you're not really going after the quarterback pressure is not actually your goal you're just trying to take away the run lanes play contain all those things. So if the Saints start out there, that's going to end up saving up a lot of energy for a guy like Cam Jordan toward the end of the game where you really want him to have the bigger, biggest impact. And so if you can get him on a favorable matchup where he can wear a guy down for quarters one, one and two, and let's say the beginning of three, and then really start to impact the game at the end of the third quarter and into the fourth, if the deficit is close enough, or even if the Saints just have a lead at that point, that absence of Lane Johnson is going to end up ringing loudly for the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, especially if Cam Jordan can get rolling. And don't forget, right, the Saints, they rotate edge rushers all the time. So you've got Cam Jordan, you've got Marcus Edport, you've got Carl Granderson, you've got Tonal Passanio. We'll see Peyton Turner has been inactive. I don't believe I believe he hasn't played since the November 20th game. So he's been inactive for a couple of games with injury. He's also been active over the course of the past two games as a healthy scratch. Does is this a game that he ends up being called upon because of his athleticism to kind of help out with contain even pursuit uh, when it comes to catching up with Jalen Hurts from behind or whatever? You know what I mean? So do you end up then also having an extra defensive end so that you can continue to rotate? That's the other piece that it comes into. Yeah, you can take advantage of Peyton Turner's mobility or excuse me, um, ability and 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 athleticism and all of those things. But also, he gives you another player that you can rotate in to help keep some of the other guys fresh as well. So everyone benefits from having an extra edge rusher to rotate into that 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 part of the system to work into that rotation. So do we see him active this week as opposed to inactive as we've seen over the course of the past couple of weeks? Uh, one other thing that I'll bring up here: we had mentioned that uh, Jalen Hurts has a few, or uh, you know, has had some drop offs when it comes to facing pressure, that's another place where Lane Johnson or the lack of Lane Johnson ends up having a big impact. Philadelphia Eagles give up a a good bit more pressure when Lane Johnson isn't in the lineup. So that could be a way that the New Orleans Saints end up taking advantage of that drop-off. And just one more reminder of that, uh, we've seen him drop off um, Jalen Hurts from completing 74% of his passes to completing just 45% of his passes. We've watched that NFL passer rating drop from 114.3 to 72.6, and he's only faced a pressure rate of around 30% so far this season. So if you can all of a sudden move that up to 33, 35%, those extra, what is that, extra uh, seven plays or so in, in a game ends up having a pretty big impact in terms of how you might be able to take advantage or take control of that game. I, I'm Listen, I I picked the Philadelphia Eagles to win on the crossover Thursday, but I kind of gave a score that was like, if the Saints win, I could see it by the same score. I'm not willing to rule the Saints out in this game. They've got a lot to play for here, and they have a lot to play for both in terms of keeping their playoff hopes alive with what slim hopes there are. And by the way, they don't just have one path to the playoffs here. They could win the NFC South, sure, but there's still a path to the seventh seed, which takes a lot of help. They need like the commanders to lose out. They need the, the Lions to win a game. They need the, the Packers to win a game. They need uh, you know another team to lose out. Like the, the, There's a lot that has to go on here. I think it's the Seahawks that have to lose out. There's a lot that has to go on here in order for them to even be in that conversation. But they're still playing for that. They're still playing because it's their job to do so, and that, and this is what they love to do. But also, like 
do you really want to be the team that gets beat and then the opposing team locks up the number one seed and gets a top 10 pick from you? Uh, like that's not great. So I think in that case, uh, the New Orleans Saints have a lot to play for here. So I'm just simply not ready to count them out. But if they want to be able to get a win and take advantage of getting pressure on Jalen Hurts, getting pressure on that Philadelphia Eagles offense, one of the big things they're going to have to do is score points on their side of the ball. The Philadelphia, I mean, the New Orleans Saints haven't allowed more than 20 points or 20 or more points over the course of the past four games. So can they keep that going? But can they also step up their scoring? There is one specific thing that will allow them to do that if they can continue to take advantage of it as they have all season. And it comes down to zone coverage. We're going to break that down as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. And today's episode brought to you by Bet Online, the number one source for all of your sports wagering needs. They got everything that you need from odds, lines, and props to news, scores, and even sports podcasts as well. I know you love sports podcasts because you're listening and you're watching this one. You can go and check out what they've got to offer over at Bet Online as well. The fastest and easiest way for you to keep up with all of the trends and action. It's awesome. And right now, Bet Online, by the way, has the odds for the New Orleans Saints Philadelphia Eagles game at the time that I'm recording this. Philadelphia Eagles heavily favored six-point favorites in this one, and completely understandable as to why you wonder if when Jalen Hurts is announced the starter or whenever that decision is made, or Garrett Minshew's uh, announced the starter, how the line will move, but you have to imagine it's going to open up a little bit once uh, I assume Jalen Hurts is named the starter going into this game. So there's a lot to take advantage of right now. There might even be more to take advantage of down the road. And of course, there's so much more than just New Orleans Saints odds. There's the entire NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, everything that you're looking for. You can find over at Bet Online where the game starts. Get it, Huda Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. The big key over on the Saints offensive side in order to get a win this weekend over the Philadelphia Eagles and the game plan for how they can get it done. The big key for them on the offensive side is simply putting points on the board. Dalvin Kamara is going to be a big part of that if he's able to make it back to practice. We'll learn a little bit more about that later on today. Uh, But it seems that, you know, even with missing Wednesday and Thursday's practice at this point, it's just kind of about getting reps and getting into the game plan. But this guy's been a part of the offense since 2017. Very likely knows what it is that the New Orleans Saints are going to be doing against the Philadelphia Eagles, probably being kept apprised of everything going on, even when he's away for the personal matter. But we'll see if he's made his way back on Friday, uh, later on when the injury reports come out. So for New Orleans, um, if they want to put points on the board, Alvin Kamara, yes, a big part of that. Taysom Hill, absolutely a big part of that. Those two guys on the ground are going to be very important. But the passing game should have its uh, it should have its pick of the litter in terms of its ability to make plays and put points on the board as well. Last week in the uh, evening game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott went 24 of 24 against the Philadelphia Eagles when they were in zone coverage. That's per ESPN's next-gen stats or the NFL's next-gen stats. Um, that's that's a big deal. And that is the reason why I bring that up is because, A, um, Andy Dalton has been very good against zone so far this season, and so have his receiving options. For instance, Chris Olave, who is absolutely no slouch against man coverage either. He, this guy's just good no matter what he does. I mean, ESPN just put out a new set of wide receiver metrics, including ways to measure separation, as well as catchability, all those other things. And he's a top 10 wide receiver, the highest ranked rookie wide receiver as well. So if he's 
good to go this week, which would be great for him. He missed last week with the hamstring. That would be fantastic for the New Orleans Saints, and he would certainly see a large workload because if the Eagles are going to go with their usual heavy zone coverage, here's how Chris Olave has uh, performed so far in zone. He's been targeted 57 times. He's got 38 catches. It's a 66.7% reception percentage. That's very good. Uh, He's also got 590 yards, averaging 15.5 yards per catch against zone coverage. Only got one touchdown in zone. He's only got three uh, receiving touchdowns on the season. Passer rating of 84.7 when targeted there, uh, including uh, only one drop in there as well. So he has been awesome. 2.77 yards per route run is up there with some of the best in the NFL as well. Uh, Next, or some of the best in terms of guys that are most frequently targeted, right? Um, Next up, Juwan Johnson, right? Juwan Johnson has been awesome against zone coverage as well. Targeted 28 times when facing zone coverage, 21 catches for 285 yards and four of his seven touchdowns have all come against zone coverage. 75% completion percentage and a pass rating of 131.7 when targeted. And oh no, it doesn't stop there. They've also got another good weapon against zone. Rashid Shaheed, the star undrafted rookie of this year's class, uh, he has caught 14 passes on 16 targets in zone coverage, 302 yards, pair of touchdowns as well, and a perfect 158.3 pass rating when targeted against zone coverage. So we spoke weeks ago about the young core, particularly in the passing game for the New Orleans Saints, that they can build their entire future around. Juwan Johnson at tight end, and then the tandem of Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid at wide receiver. And then, of course, you have Chris, uh, excuse me, Alvin Kamara, who can continuously get involved there too. You'd love to see him get another one of those option routes, hit one of those big. If he can't, then maybe this is the opportunity that you start to see Eno Benjamin uh, get going as well. But there is absolutely an opportunity here for the New Orleans Saints to lean on and build a game plan against the three talented pass catchers that they have. I, I did a visit on a different Philadelphia Eagles podcast, not Locked on Eagles, but a different show. And we were speaking about how you know people were asking, you know, the New Orleans Saints, like they've been losing all of their receiver options. How how bad has that been so far this season? And and I kind of had to help explain to them that like the Saints are actually kind of in a positive right now, not because of the injuries. I mean, they've lost Michael Thomas, they lost Jarvis Landry, who we expected to be two of the biggest parts of the 2012 season. But in the past, Michael Thomas has been the only option outside of Alvin Kamara. Now, all of a sudden, the Saints have three options outside of AK in Chris Olave, Rashid Jaheed, and Juwan Johnson. So while the outside perception might look like, oh, all of their pass catchers are falling off and they don't have anybody available, they're actually three times now as loaded as they were before in the passing game. So if they're going to go against a heavy zone coverage team, which we've seen them excel against before in the recent past, the Las Vegas Raiders, the the Los Angeles Rams, these guys are all heavy zone approach over on the defensive side, although the Rams will mix in a little bit more of the kind of zone you know, match concepts and things like that. Fact of the matter is that they have excelled against those teams because of what their offense can do and how their offense can produce. So do expect Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill to be a big part of this week's game. They are players that are, you know, gonna see a lot of opportunity on the run game. The Saints are gonna want to control the clock, keep the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands, which means they're gonna have to convert some third downs. But what we saw last week was a team that was willing to be a little bit more aggressive. There were some conservative issues earlier on, but they became a little bit more aggressive, and we saw it against the Falcons as well, particularly on third downs, actually throwing the ball past the six. Novel idea. So if you're playing against these zone coverages, which are going to shift into man situationally, right, on those third downs, in the red zone, things like that, you'll see them shift to man. 
But we watch what happens when you get Juwan Johnson and man coverage in the red zone and you run that shallow cross with him. He's got the speed. He's got the yards after catch ability to be able to do something with that once you get the ball in his hands. So even in those scenarios, the Saints have the talent that they need to be able to put points on the board. The issue is going to be play calling, right? The concerns are going to be play calling. The concerns are going to be situational awareness and situational uh, gameplay. And then, of course, what version of quarterback player are you getting this week? So far over the course of the past few games, Andy Dalton's been great. Uh, uh, He's been good, right? He's been very good. Uh, Can he keep that going? And can he take advantage of a defense that's going to give a lot of space and a lot of cushion to the pass catchers that are out there? It's a good situation for the New Orleans Saints, but they're going to have to take advantage of it in particular in the red zone, which is where they have been coming up empty or struggling throughout this entire season, as well as, of course, on third down as well. So can they fix those things and put points on the board so that they can get back to where we started this episode, which is looking at how the Saints can uh, work to get the run game out of the Philadelphia Eagles kind of wheelhouse there and force them to pass the ball. In which case, if you can get some pressure on Jalen Hurts or whoever the passer is, Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew, then you might be able to get, um, you know, you might be able to help actually win this game and, and, and turn the tide. It's hard to beat a team twice in a row, even harder to beat them three times in a row, but it's not impossible. So for the New Orleans Saints, they've got to go out there and keep that from happening. All right, y'all coming up later today in our second episode of Friday and our final episode of the week before, of course, the live postcast after the Saints and Eagles game. We'll take a look at kind of the mock off season, how the New Orleans Saints could reload their offense and defense without a first round pick this offseason. We'll go through a quick mock draft with the with the uh, selections that they have as of today, starting in the second round. And we'll discuss some of the needs that they will need in terms of like must keeps on the team that might be on their way out as outgoing free agents and also where they might be able to bring in new talent as well. So we'll get to all of that in uh, uh, an episode later on today as we continue on with our two a days. Appreciate you as always making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out Locked on Sports today as well. Go beyond the scoreboard behind the scenes with Locked on Sports today wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Appreciate you making me part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.